welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Sophie Brundle, coordinator at Info Burmani. Info Burmani is a non-profit association founded in 1996 born of the desire of French citizens to defend human rights in Myanmar. The association works to support opponents and victims of the military junta by acting with French political and economic decision-makers. As part of their activities, they support all ethnic and religious groups in Myanmar without distinction. Their position allows them to forge partnerships with organisations of different political sensitivities, but always focused on opposing the military regime. Here Sophie talks about the history and work of Info Burmani, the growing unity of the Myanmar people, and the responsibility she feels France bears in opposing the junta. Let's start the conversation. So, uh, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on Anna podcast. And you are from Info Bermany in France. And um, we're really excited to talk to you and learn a bit more about your organization and what you guys are doing. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself a little bit for our listeners, telling us a bit about yourself and your organization. Yes, thank you. Um, so yes, I'm Sophie and I've been coordinating Info Birmanie for the past uh, four years now. And Info Birmanie is a French organization which was founded back in 1996. So um, while the core history of Info Birmanie is really about French citizens wanting to raise awareness about the human rights situation in Burma, and uh, for many years, Info Bermany was the main support group to the opposition in exile and to Aung San Suu Kyi and to the movement against military rule. So with the democratic transitioning happening, we, of course, were more and more in a relation with the civil society that was developing in, in Myanmar. And our main mandate has been to voice the concern for the past years of that Myanmar civil society in France through information and advocacy work. So we were very vocal, of course, on the plight of the Rohingya for many years and on the situation of the other ethnic and religious minorities in Burma. And of course, since the coup, we have joined our efforts to uh, continue raising the issues of the Myanmar people and of the resistance with our partners, which are mainly either Myanmar activists. But of course, we have lost a lot of contacts uh, since the coup because many of them have either fled or run into exile or are hidden. And so we're working in quite challenging circumstances as other organizations. And, uh, well, today, of course, the situation, as you know, is even more challenging, but we're continuing our information work and our advocacy work to support the, the resistance in Myanmar against the coup. That's a great overview. And 1996, wow, that's such a, such a long time to be involved in Myanmar. So I can imagine how devastating it is to see everything that's happening. Again, it feels like uh, things are going backwards. But just a couple of the things that you mentioned there. I'm just wondering how, like from 1996 to now, how things have changed in terms of your advocacy or your work. So you were working with civil societies. Did you see changes? Did you see life improve for people in the time between when you started over the couple of decades you've been there? Was there positive change in that transition period from your perspective, I guess? Sure. Relating to your question, of course, personally, since I arrived at Infobiamini in 2018, 
I kind of saw like a, a constant, uh, well, deterioration because I, I arrived in the context of what was happening to the Rohingya and also, uh, well, the backlash that there was in the democratic transition itself because I saw that democratic transition facing so many challenges that by the time we got to the legislative elections in 2020, the situation was already really getting worse in terms of human rights, in terms of perspectives. And even though, well, the, the coup took us by surprise for many of us, of course, but then I saw, well, the, the deterioration of the, the situation. And of course, for those who have been there for 20 years back, and I know that you have also invited people who are fighting for democracy, justice and human rights in Myanmar for the past 20 years. And of course, that they have seen some improvement during the democratic transition. And uh, maybe uh, to go back to history and to point to the situation today, I mentioned that we were created in 1996. And at that time, the main advocacy of uh, Infobermany was Total, you know, the presence, the arrival of that company in uh, Burma under the military dictatorship. And um, we supported the, the Myanmar workers who were accusing, you know, uh, Total of forced labor on the construction of the Yadana gas field. And that really brings us to the situation, well, you know, just after the coup, because there was a really a, a historical link of that, that the presence of Total in the in the country and after the military coup of, of uh, February 1st, 2021, of course, we, we again were advocating very strongly against Total's role in financing the military and continuing its activities as if nothing had happened. And so we were really throughout the year 2021 back in history in a way and in a very challenging situation. And we we noticed how Myanmar people progressively, you know, the voices of civil society, but also of the people were really calling for all these uh, oil companies and gas well, companies to either pull out of Myanmar or to stop funding the military. So we really worked on that very hard in France throughout the years with uh, media outreach and advocacy campaigns. And as you know, well, the Blood Money campaign, which was created following the coup, was very vocal on Total's role in France. And unfortunately, what we could say is that uh, till the end, you know, their demands to the group were left uh, unresponded by Total. So um, that was a very, well, challenging situation and bringing us to the past. So that was something that was very challenging. But as you know, Total in the end uh, announced that it was leaving the country. But uh, there are still many, many demands from civil society, whether of being transparent on what happened throughout these decades on the financing of the military or what is going to happen next. That's still a question that is left uh, un unanswered. Yeah, I think it's hard to speak to anyone from France and not mention Total. And that was where I was going to be going uh, next. We have obviously had so many people talk to us about the gas and oil industry and how those sanctions are so important. But we have like other people who often say, oh, the sanctions are meaningless. They end up doing nothing anyway. But I'm always of the belief that it's a good, it's a good thing if we have a European country like France saying, you know, it isn't acceptable to do business with the Myanmar military. And that's a kind of important message to send out. Do you think that it's in this day and age, the pressure on Total that to be seen to be doing business with the military was the reason for their exit? Or do you think there just wasn't enough money left in that industry? And it's more likely that was their reason for exiting. 
Well, the Yadana gas field um, was uh, due to end or to come to term shortly. And then, of course, that might have been a reason. Uh, but I think, of course, the constant deterioration of the situation in Myanmar was also an element uh, for that decision. And then we have to say that the civil society and the, that demand on Total and other business groups was really getting more and more vocal as it had never been, actually, and even in, in France. But um, as you say, it would be great to have uh, France as a European country stating out that business with military companies is, or the junta now is unacceptable. But uh, actually, that strong wording never really happened. And we were already asking France to do that prior to the coup because there had been the, you know, the report by the fact-finding mission highlighting how all the companies should not be in, related to the military-owned or uh, detained companies or linked companies. And um, we were expecting France to take a much stronger stance on that. But we have never had a public statement, and especially regarding Total, you know, because following the coup, actually the French uh, embassy in Myanmar was always sharing the, the arguments that Total itself was putting forward on the reasons why it was staying in Myanmar, whether for like humanitarian reasons or the need for Myanmar people to have electricity and highlighting reasons which were not, in our point of view and for the Myanmar people, are relevant considering that the, the Myanmar people were really asking for the, those groups to cut the funding. So um, we still need a, a stronger stance from France on those issues. And of course, the fact that Total has pulled out, it should uh, be like a very important information to take into consideration for other groups, but civil society needs to uh, remain very vigilant on the companies that are present in Myanmar and any links that can be found or that can exist uh, with the, the army and the military. That's still a concern. And for Total also, we, would, we should say that, you know, there were uh, very important revelations by the journal uh, Le Monde, Journal Le Monde, in April 2021. And this uh, inquiry by Le Monde was revealing how for years and years Total had put up like a financial scheme to the benefit of the MOGE, the Myanmar Oil and Gas Enterprise, and to the benefit of the military instead of benefiting you know, the state and the Myanmar population. And at that time, the Minister of Ecological Transition in France, uh, Pompili, Barbara Pompili, called for Total to be transparent on this issue. And actually, that never happened. So I think that this is also something that we still have a lot of work to do in France to be transparent on what has happened in the past. And um, we recently, uh, well, in August, we published a tribune in French media um, and for Bermany to highlight that the fact that Total leaving the country does not mean that France does not have a responsibility regarding what the role of the company has been throughout the decades. And finally, you know, also in the 90s and 2000s. And so we are asking France to do much more to support the, the resistance. And that's also through, you know, the recognition of the national unity government, but also to, to the support of that national unity government in many, many different ways, which hasn't happened so far. As you know, the foreign affairs minister of Czech Republic has openly met with the MOFA minister of NUG, and we are expecting the same thing to, to happen in France, but we haven't had uh, 
that high level meeting and the meetings that are taking place are not public. We have some senators that have brought public support to the NUT, but we really need to go to a much higher level in France on that today, notably. Do you know what the reluctance is of them to meet with the NUG? Have they have they been vocal about why they are reluctant to do that publicly? Well, we don't have that direct uh, information or we don't have that direct uh, response. But uh, of course, like as for other countries, uh, France does not want to close down its embassy, it wants to have an embassy remaining open in, in Myanmar. So that's kind of a, a reason for some policy decisions or some statements or positions not being taken, I think. And also, well, we can see that France, you know, is um, often putting the EU uh, forward as the taking the positions and the decisions which are made collectively, but like perhaps sometimes hiding behind EU or still supporting the ASEAN uh, five-point consensus, whereas everyone, whether observers or activists or Myanmar people, are really saying how much this is uh, just leading to nowhere for the Myanmar people. And so... Um, so yes, this is kind of like a challenging situation in France now for France to do more, but hopefully it it will. I was just going to ask what your personal connection was with Myanmar. How did you first get involved? And obviously you're doing amazing work and it is very time-consuming work. So what is your connection and, and how did you first start? Well, for many many members, the connection is to go to Myanmar and well, as for many other people, just to have a, a very fond and great attachment to the country, come back and then wanting to, to help out, to support the people that you've met and the, that country that has really moved you. And that's what I often hear. Uh, for me, it was, uh, well, it was the other way around because um, I was working on human rights issues on other contexts. And then I, I came to work at the National French Court for Asylum and I started to work on the Rohingya situation and then discovering more broadly about the situation in Myanmar. And I, I hadn't been to Myanmar before uh, working for Infobirmini. So I actually then went twice. And I think that the well, what moved me very specifically also is to meet the activists there and to engage with them and to work with all this Myanmar civil society and to meet the activists and all these people that were working and struggling for human rights in their country and so that's my link to the to the country but I didn't have one really previously which is uh well I can say uh something that brings a lot of people to work on Myanmar and to work alongside the Myanmar people so that's yes and how is the response in France to Myanmar I mean did you the general public know the country know what's happening there or is it something you find that you constantly have to be telling people about uh, yes, the situation in France is challenging because uh, people don't uh, generally necessarily have a very good knowledge of uh, where Myanmar is or what the situation in the country is. I think that it's, well, it's much easier to work on the context of human rights situation, for example, in a former French colony where there will be much more political and mediatic attention. And then there is a very small Burmese community in France. It's difficult to number them precisely, but when we ask them, they would say maybe there are 500 or 700 of them. And so bringing all this together, it's uh, challenging and it has always been to bring uh, Myanmar uh, on the agenda of the media. And there is also, well, this functioning that we find uh, worldwide, but when something really 
serious happens, the media attention anyway, with the months and years passing by, it just uh, wanes and it's very difficult. But yes, in, in France, it's challenging and there is um, really a, a need to have a, an awareness, a general awareness campaign on the situation of Myanmar to inform people about what is happening. It's just not as if everyone knew. So there is a lot of work to do on that side. And InfraBemini has been doing an awareness campaign and information work on Myanmar for the, the past years. And, and since the coup, we have developed this uh, awareness campaign called uh, Avec Toi Myanmar, which means With You Myanmar in French, so with the hashtag Avec Toi Myanmar. And it has uh, partly contributed to um, raising awareness on the situation and to the general public. But uh, yes, media outreach is kind of a, a challenge. And we can see, well, you know, before the coup, there was a great media attention on the plight of the Rohingya, the situation of the Rohingya, and then, you know, punctual media attention for the elections or for these kinds of agendas. But otherwise, it was very challenging to continue talking about these very serious issues. And following the coup, it was the opposite. There were like many months when it was just, you know, uh, well, a lot of media coverage, but then it just kind of weighs down. For the past year, we've done maybe like more than 60 interviews, so which is quite a lot for us. But then uh, today with the war in Ukraine also in it, taking place in Europe, we can see, yes, the media attention has, has gone to Ukraine. And uh, it's kind of challenging, yes, with the time passing by to find that attention. We try to put French media in contact with uh, Myanmar activists. So we have done that or to suggest some themes that they can cover. But uh, yes, to some extent that works. But it's always a challenge to have Myanmar and the media attention on the long run and even more so in um, France. And in France, there are some politicians, some MPs and senators that have been quite vocal on the situation in Myanmar. But I would say it's always the same ones, you know, and then you can count them on, on your hands. So there are not very uh, many of them. And so there's always a need, yes, to keep Myanmar on the agenda. So... It's the same in the UK. I mean, I've not been there for a while, but when I left, the media was obviously very involved with what was happening in Ukraine. And to keep people's awareness when your your own news channels aren't covering it is a very hard thing to do. I was wondering what message would you have to the French people listening right now about how they could get involved and, and what they could do to help? Well, when we uh, raise awareness on the situation, of course, there's this aspect of first for people to know what is happening. But beyond that, we can see that since the coup, um, some people have, have contacted us and uh, have said, what can I do? What can I do? Because this situation is really revolting and I, I want to do something concretely. So, of course, once people are aware of the situation and want to do something, there are many ways in which a French citizen can act at his level to support the resistance. And as we know, well, there are so many practical needs and needs for humanitarian support and needs for relief that there are many organizations. And that's not in Bemini because we are not providing that support. But you can make a, a donation to uh, many organizations that are supporting the resistance. So we know that the Burmese group in France has developed activities in that aim to support directly the civil disobedience movement, for example. And then you have, well, UK Burma campaign, which is carrying out a lot of concrete support. So I think that there are many ways in which a French citizen can help by making a donation for humanitarian support. 
And of course, uh, there is also the possibility, and that's important for in, any citizen to inform its MP its, uh, and to write to its MP, his or her MP, sorry, to inform and, and to ask him to take a stand on, on different aspects of our advocacy work. So that's something also that's a way to raise awareness and to have our members of parliament to act and to ask questions to the government. So that's a very also a concrete step. But then saying that, I think that all of us who are working on the situation and with the Myanmar people, it's true that sometimes you, you always feel that you should do, you could do so much more, and that's everything that we're doing is like a, a drop in the water. But I think that it's really about saying also how much all these drops in the water can bring something that anyway is very important that we have to keep on doing. And there are many parallels that can be drawn, although the situation is different, but with the war in Ukraine and and when we see the picture uh, recently published of Minoleng, you know, shaking hands with Putin, I think that's also in the narrative that we have of the Myanmar situation when we talk about it to French citizens and so on. I think that people are very much concerned about the war in Ukraine, and that seems pretty obvious. So for people who are less aware of the situation, making links also with the resistance of the Ukrainian people against the invasion of Russia, and making links with the resistance of the Myanmar people fighting the military junta, which is funded by Russia and supported by Russia, that can also help us, I think, to highlight how all these situations are connected and how we are all fighting when we're fighting for democracy, we're fighting for democracy and our values everywhere in the world, and that we need to support the Myanmar people so much more because what they are fighting for is a concern to all of us and that the rise of these authoritarian regimes and their collaboration and the way that they are supporting themselves and that we, we really need to come together to fight against them globally. So I think that's also a message and a way of bringing people perhaps to feel uh, more concerned about what is happening in Myanmar. But we also have that issue is that we have daily accounts of the horrific human rights violations that the junta is committing against the population and that at one point, if we only share that information, it doesn't make people act or feel that they can act and that they can feel helpless or they can feel that they cannot do anything against this violence which is like so horrific that even ourselves sometimes we we lack words to talk about it and it's it's so challenging but i think that we can see that the narrative on the on the situation in Myanmar is changing and should change even more that it should show instead of, of highlighting well of course that we have we need to document the human rights violations to report them but we need to show people how the resistance on an everyday basis, how the, the Myanmar people every day through different means are challenging the military and also gaining ground. I mean, we can see that there are more and more analysts and observators that are publishing reports and, and articles highlighting how this resistance is gaining ground and that the junta could fall down, which uh, is something probably that uh, a lot of stakeholders have never taken into consideration as an option. So now we really need to highlight how we need to support the resistance more and more. And that is, we, we are at a very critical turning point, whereas if the, the resistance is not supported more, the situation will get worse and worse. And that it's now that we need to bring all the elements we can to support that resistance. And so that's also something that we we try to, to highlight when we meet officials about that narrative that needs to be changed and much more action needs to be taken in support of that resistance. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point that you make about changing the narrative because at the beginning of the coup, 
you know, a lot of, I guess, people that maybe aligned with the military or who felt maybe that they were not having the same opportunities under the civilian government. We're really pushing the narrative, this military cannot be beat. So, you know, we have to stick with them. And that is shifting dramatically. We see so many analysts changing their tune. The the articles that they're writing and the reports are, are very different now than they were at the start of the coup. I'm just curious because you've been kind of involved the last four years, which has kind of been a really pivotal time because, as you say, we had the Rohingya genocide and then we had the coup. Are you noticing any changes in the coming together of the people in this time? Do you feel like people are are more united in Myanmar than ever before? Did you have differences back in 2018 versus now? Yes, well, for sure. Um, when I was working, well, in since 2018 and until the coup, we were working with um, activists who were defending minorities in Myanmar, and notably Rohingya. And of course, they were very few of them, and uh, they were even taking risks for doing that. And it was very challenging. And we, we remember, you know, these protests for peace in Kashin, for example, where activists would be in trouble in Myanmar just for calling for peace in Kashin state and calling for the, the end of war. So, of course, since the coup... Um, well, there has been these images of demonstrators saying sorry to the Rohingya and acknowledging that they didn't know or that they were misinformed and that now they understood better the plight of the ethnic minorities. So I think that to some extent, this, of course, is, well, a positive outcome of, of what is happening is that, is that people can come together and express and then uh, really change their perspective of what has happened in the country and and it's really terrible, of course, to know the horrific human rights violations that are taking place were already there and that the, it's the experience of many uh, minorities in the countries for the past uh, decades. So what we have seen, and it, maybe it's interesting also to, to give the example of the French situation, because of course, uh, before the coup, you know, the Burmese uh, diaspora group was not, uh, was not there when we were demonstrating uh, about the Rohingya, the minorities, and it, there is a, a change taking place, then we can witness it to some extent in France too, because some steps are taken, some stands are taken. We've seen demonstrations in France here with the Rohingya representatives and people are talking to each other. So of course, there is still a lot of divide and no one would say that division is, is behind the country. And it, of course, it's not. And it's challenging to maintain that dialogue and to, to bring further change in the perception and to unify, but uh, we can see it um, at the individual scale and then at some meetings and some dialogue is taking place. So all of this is going into the right direction, although, of course, it will take a long time and that we also know that civil society, Myanmar civil society, is also calling on the national unity government to, to do more, whereas uh, it has taken a certain steps in, in its policy to the Rohingya, notably, and, and then still more can be done, of course, but these are very positive changes and some changes and steps that perhaps we couldn't even imagine before, of course, before the coup, because the, the division was so strong. I just wanted to ask a question that you might not know the answer to, because presumably you're, you're not in Myanmar. Mm. But I was just wondering about if you know of the kind of current presence of French people that have decided to to stay there during this time. Just to explain my reasoning for the question a little bit, I still know some British people that have decided to stay and seem very ignorant of the situation. 
And I don't mean to be judgmental here because I lived in, in Yangon when the genocide was taking place and I did not fully understand the extent of what was happening whilst I was in that country. I was, I'm guilty of being ignorant there. But I feel like since the coup, the prevalence of the atrocities is just so widespread and, and so huge. To be there now as someone who doesn't have to be is an interesting choice, I'll put it that way. And I just, I, I remember spending many, many hours trying to learn Burmese in the French Institute and there always being a, a large presence of, of, of French people in Yangon, at least. And I just wondered whether you're aware of whether people have chosen to stay and what their reasons for that might be. Uh, yes, I don't have the possibility actually of answering that question because I don't know how many people actually stayed or left following the coup. I, I might have seen a number go by uh, some six months back or so. I don't really remember. I don't know really about the French presence following the coup. So um, I wouldn't be able to, to say. Um, of course, there are some French people who have family ties uh, and who are staying in uh, Myanmar. Some have come back, you know, since the coup and are here and have contacted us also, you know, to just to share information or wanting to engage. And so, yes, so definitely some have come back, but I, I don't have the, in that context, and I don't have the number. But as you say, of course, it's challenging to live and to to work in Myanmar today and with a lot of restrictions. And what is surprising is that we sometimes have also... um demands of people wanting to know if they can travel to Myanmar. So that's really something that's very, very surprising. Yeah, it is something we have been discussing a bit because we know, you know, we, we were both international school teachers and we know schools have reopened and a number of teachers have flown back into the country. And, you know, I, I understand some have family connections, but others, our minds are just like, what must they be thinking, you know? But it's it's a difficult one. Yeah, it's one that we... Maybe we'll find someone, Ruth, who's gone back and maybe get them on to discuss, perhaps. But when you're in the country, you're, you're more afraid to talk out. But Sophie, what is your hope? What what are you hoping in the next few months to a year in your organization for Myanmar uh, to keep advocating, to try to get more support from the government? Do you have short term goals or long term goals? What are you hoping for? Yes, well, definitely we have those short term goals and, and longer term ones. But on the well, on the short term, when Myanmar activists travel to Europe, we organize advocacy meetings for them. So we have some coming. Uh, well, next week actually with a foreign office, and so um, we are hoping that with the credential campaign that is taking place now, well, that of course. Kyo Myung Tun, the UN ambassador for Myanmar, will remain in seat. But beyond that, because that sounds like pretty obviously that that's what should be done and that's what will happen. But we are very much looking forward to a stronger support to the resistance, to the national unity government. And well, France is one of those countries that has a NUG representative. And of course, we are in contact with that representative. So I think that in France, uh, we are hoping that there will be more support that can take place in many ways. And then since we are doing this, um, well, advocacy campaign, media outreach, so we want to continue uh, speaking out and informing about the situation. But then as we are continuing to work on the advocacy campaign on certain uh, companies, uh, we have some uh, campaigns in plan. So we aim to continue to be really vigilant on any company in France that has links to the junta or is financing the, the junta, whether directly or indirectly. 
and that in in link in relation with the with the work that the Justice for Myanmar campaign is doing. So we also aim to really work so that uh, no company, no French company, is uh, relating or investing in in Myanmar in conditions that would support the regime. So that's uh, that's one thing. And then, well, we hope that European Union will take another round of sanctions, which is in the agenda. So it's more about a question of which sanctions will be taken and which uh, global support the EU can bring. So there is much more advocacy to be done on that level. So we'll be continuing our work in that regard. And then we well, we also, um, you know, we organize uh, events to raise awareness on the situation in Myanmar. So we always aim to bring together French NGOs working on Myanmar, um, activists. And so we look forward to planning other events with the aim of, of continuing to, to raise awareness on the, on the situation in Myanmar. But we know that the situation is not going to find its solution in, in the short term. And it's really about continuing to join our, our efforts from civil society, from different countries, and and to to continue at our level to do what we can to support the, the resistance. I just would ask you one thing to kind of finish on, Sophie. If, if you have a message for, for people in Myanmar or people who are from Myanmar and maybe listening around the world in different countries, like have you any words for them or, or message of, like, encouragement? Hmm. Well, the, the words... Uh, Maybe I would start losing my words when to address me and our people from across the world, but really um telling them how uh, how courageous their resistance is and how how extraordinary what they're accomplishing is and I think that a lot of people acknowledge that and that they really need to be supported more, but that in the end, yes, I think that what they're doing already and you know it's been uh, yes more than one year and a half after the coup. And that they are succeeding in in changing the the balance of power between themselves and the junta, and that this revolution is absolutely extraordinary in commitment, courage, and we want to say that in light of all these horrific uh, situations that they are living every day, like that we're thinking about them and that we're doing everything we can, even though sometimes we feel that we're not doing enough. But I think that's kind of normal. <laughs> And uh, yes, just uh, to share my admiration for their their resistance, and that there is still a lot that can be done, and that will be done, I think, from from abroad, and that yes, this revolution is just going forward. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at Arnar Podcast. A-H-N-A-H. Please like, follow and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.